This is Understanding Israel-Palestine. I'm your host, Eamon Ormseth. Today, I'm here to interview the Reverend Dr. Fahid Abu Akkad. But first, news. The Saudi Foreign Ministry denounced the recent storming of Al-Aqsa Mosque, describing it as provocative practices by a group of extremists. In a statement on Sunday, September 24th, the ministry reiterated the kingdom's support for the Palestinian people and their efforts to end the occupation and reach a just and comprehensive solution to the Palestinian issue. On Wednesday, September 27th, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced Israel's entry into the visa waiver program. As non-discrimination against U.S. citizens entering Israel is a condition of entry into the program, human rights groups advocating for Arab, Muslim, and Palestinian Americans are likely to challenge the State Department decision in court due to ongoing issues for Americans traveling to and within Israel and the Israeli-controlled territories of the West Bank and Gaza Strip. The Reverend Dr. Fahid Abu Akkal is the founder and executive director of the Atlanta Ministry with International Students Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He was born in Kafadiasi in the Galilee of Christian Palestinian parents. He was ordained minister of the Presbyterian Church USA in 1978 and has served the Presbyterian Church in numerous capacities, including moderator of its 214th General Assembly. Reverend Fahid has won many awards and holds a BA from Southeastern University, a Master of Divinity from Columbia Theological Seminary, and a Doctor of Divinity from the McCormick Theological Seminary. Fahid, welcome to Understanding Israel-Palestine. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be with you, and thanks for the invitation. Fahid, I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, tell us where you come from and anything you might like us to know about you. I grew up uh, 25 miles northwest of Nazareth uh, in the Galilee area in a small Palestinian village called Kufr Yassif next to Akka. And my parents were Palestinian Christians, uh, belonged to the Orthodox Church, the majority of the village were Palestinian Christians and little bit Catholic and some Anglican. The next one will be Muslim and two, three families of Druze. So the majority of your your village where you grew up was, was Christian. Correct. You grew up close to Akka. What year were you born in? I was born 1944. So when the Nakba, the word Nakba means uh, catastrophe, and that means this is the Palestinian terminology for what happened to the Palestinian people in, in Palestine. When Israel was created in 1948, basically for the Jewish people who were persecuted in Europe and other places is a new beginning for the native indigenous Palestinian people that was called Nakba. That means you lost everything, home, church, mosque, and business. So that means when, you know, Israel became a state, they destroyed close to 530 villages and towns, exiled by force close to a million people, 750 to a million people out of Palestine who became refugees in Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, and the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and also internally. So as I think, you know, Nakba, uh, I think about uh, basically a four-year-old kid going with his father. The only thing I remember is going with my father, five sisters, and two brothers. 
as a four-year-old kid, you are close to mother. So I can see myself like in a television screen running around dad, five sisters, and two uh, brothers looking for, for my mother. In a few minutes, I looked and she was on the top of the roof waving her hand. And we went east to a Druze village called Yurka. And we were put in a makeshift tents like scouts uh, uh, tents. And we were there several months. And when the war was over, we came back. As a teenager, I always wanted to ask my mother why she did not go with us. And I discovered that my mother was strong in her faith in Jesus Christ, in uh, being patriotic. She said to dad, uh, you take the children, you can protect them. I'm going to stay here. This is our home. This is our land. This is our church. If they want to kill me, they need to kill me in my home. So that's, uh, to me, as I think about my mother, Samud, I think about Palestinian women all over Palestine, then and now. They are really the backbone of the Palestinian people to stay strong, to love one another, and continue struggle for your liberation. You were four years old when the, the Nakba happened, and you were forced to leave your village along with your father and siblings, but your mother stayed behind. Your mother sounds like a very strong person. I heard you mention the word faith in your answer to me. Can you speak a little bit more about what was it like growing up in this Christian village? My father was a farmer. My mother helped him. But she is really the one that helped us to memorize the scripture. Always before we went to sleep, we memorized a verse from the psalm, a verse from the gospel. But she uh, always wants us to remember the Lord's Prayer. In the United States, when you say to people, stand, let us affirm our faith, they always uh, think about the Apostle Creed. The Eastern Christianity, really the Nicene Creed. I remember my older brother and I, we wanted to give mother a hard time to tell her we love the Apostle Creed. And she said, why? We said, it's very short. I see in Creed, it's so long. You need a long time uh, to memorize it. So as I think about her faith, nurturing us as uh, children, and also going to the Orthodox Church, yeah, the church that uh, basically we went to worship in is 800 years old. And it's the third building. When I became an American citizen, I said, you know, the church I went to worship in is, uh, you know, four times the age of the American uh, Constitution. Because basically, in a very simplistic way, when we think about Arabs, we think about Muslims. When we think about Israel, we think about Jews. And we seldom think about uh, Palestinian Christians and Arab uh, Christians. So, you know, for our audience, you know, they need to know the five centers that really uh, close the canon, what is the Bible and the basic creeds and so forth. And that's Jerusalem, the mother church, Alexandria, Antioch, where we became first called Christians in the book of Acts, and then Constantinople, and also, of course, Rome. In the eastern part, we need to remind American Christians that Christianity was born in Palestine. Reverend Abu Akhtal, you're an indigenous Palestinian Christian. I believe you're in Atlanta, Georgia today. At some point, you made it over to the United States. Can you describe how you ended up in, in the United States? 
that journey? Yeah, basically, uh, key influence after my mother will be two Scottish Presbyterian missionaries who live in the second floor in our home. And really the influence of the two Scottish Presbyterian, I felt the call to the ministry. After that, I met two women from East Tennessee who opened the door for me to come to Southeastern uh, University in Lakeland, Florida. So I arrived to the United States January the 29th, 1966. And uh, from there, you know, I finished the college, went to seminary, and then stayed in Atlanta since 1970. You left your village right before the war in 1967. What was that like being in the United States when that war happened? As I remember, you know, it was over in six days, and the help of the U.S., uh, of Israel, and uh, of course of the technology and so forth, Air Force in Egypt, and also in Syria and in and, uh, in Jordan. Uh, it was like a trauma to what is happening because first you had the Nakba, now you have, uh, it's called the Nexa. Well, right now as Palestinian in the diaspora or Palestinian in Palestine and Israel, uh, we, we say the Nakba is still going on until now because Israel won the land without the Palestinians. So I actually wanted to back up a little bit. You you said you were raised as an Orthodox Christian, but that two Scottish Presbyterian ministers opened up a, a pathway for you to come to the United States. From what I understand, that's not very common to convert from Orthodoxy to Protestantism. Can you describe uh, the differences in the faiths and the similarities? Basically, you know, I became Presbyterian uh, at Columbia Seminary uh, when after my uh, during my study. Uh, remember, from Jesus uh, to the year 1050, we were one church. That's the Orthodox Church. Okay, 1051, uh, the Bishop of Rome said to the uh, the Bishop in uh, Constantinople, "We are on our own." So the Catholic Church was born, and then after that. Uh, 500 years later, Martin Luther, and then John Calvin, and from John Calvin will be John Knox. And John Knox basically brought the theology of Calvin to Scotland and made the whole island of Scotland uh, Presbyterians. What caused you to, you know, decide to become Presbyterian? Was it a call? But, you know, I, I think, uh, let me take you back to my uh, village. Uh, I would say the Palestinian church after the Nakba, especially in what became the state of Israel, had a cultural shock. What I mean by that, you know, as a as a, a young person or as a teenager on Sunday morning, I saw, you know, like 10 older women in the church and then five older men outside mocking and you did not see any young adults. Why? Uh, because uh, Israel said, you must work on Sunday. If you do not work, I fire you. So uh, all of the young, young people who work in the Haria, in Akka, in Haifa, all over the place, must work on Sunday. If the church was smart, they would have said, okay, why not to have church uh, Sunday night? Or why, why not to have church Saturday night? Because Jesus is not hooked to 
11 o'clock on Sunday morning. I think we need to meet the people where they are. Uh, so right now, it's completely the opposite. Uh, so as a teenager, I come to the priest and ask him a question. He did not want to ask it. So the Scottish Presbyterian, Dr. Doris Wilson, answered more questions as a teenager than the priest. So when I came for my education and I finished college and then came to Columbia Seminary, after studying uh, the Bible, the creeds and all of that, I felt, you know, the the, the Presbyterian church theology about to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and to serve him in the community and the issue of social justice and, and mission was very strong. So that was uh, really uh, appealing to me. And uh, I made the decision to become Presbyterian was at uh, Columbia Seminary here in Decatur, Georgia. A minister who, who actually had an answer to some of your questions sent you down this path. I wanted to speak a little bit about your career. You had a pretty long career in the Presbyterian Church. What was what was that like being a Palestinian Christian in a in a big American church? You know, from uh, Columbia Seminary, uh, I was asked to uh, an after school program at First Presbyterian Church in Atlanta. Uh, when I went there, they had it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I had so many volunteers. So I said to the minister, why not to have it every day? Uh, so we had it every day. So one day, the principal of the Spring Street Elementary School called me and said, I'd like to talk to you. So I said, yes. She said, what do you do at First Presbyterian? The moment the bell rings, they come running. I said, it's very simple. The teachers don't have time for them. The parents don't have time for them. I'm loaded with volunteers who love them, who care for them, who tutor them their classes, and we have uh, great fun. And that is basically, to me, if the church is going to become alive, need to be alive to its community. An elder in the church basically said, the toughest time for children is from three to six. When the bus takes the children home, the children are alone, and that's where they get in trouble. Why don't we do something for them and let the parents come to the church and pick them up. So to me, uh, for people who are involved in the faith community, I think we'll be alive to the people around us and see the need and meet that particular need. This is Understanding Israel-Palestine, and I'm your host, Eamon Ormsa. Today, I'm interviewing the Reverend Dr. Fahed Abu Akbar of the Presbyterian Church USA. In the first half of our discussion, we talked about his life story. In the second half, we moved on to discussing the theology at work in Israel and Palestine and his views on the current situation. And then in 2002, in January, a lady from the Presbytery called me and said, we would like for you to be a commissioner to the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church. I said, you know, I've already been a commissioner and we are a large presbytery. No, why don't you choose somebody else? She said, no, we want you. Okay. I said, okay. After I said, okay, I received a call from the presbyter and said, I'd like to see you. Can I come to your office? I said, no, I'll come to you. So I went there said, you accepted to be a commissioner. I said, yeah. He said, that's not enough. Uh, we would like for you to stand a, a candidate as a moderator. And when he said that, I, I just 
you know, I know what that means. What's I a say, moderator? A, a moderator the... is like the, the archbishop of the whole Presbyterian Church all over America. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, this lady who is a Muslim from Lebanon came to my wife and said, you know, in the Middle East, we know what is a priest, a bishop, archbishop, and then we will know what is the Pope. What is a moderator? And she said to her, if he was a Catholic, he would be the Pope. <laughs> so the highest elected position in the Presbyterian Church USA here. I would say uh, through my journey all, all over America, to colleges, universities, and to presbyteries and senates and so forth, uh, people got to know more about the Palestinian church and Palestinian Christians and the Palestinian story more than ever before. Your career coincided with a time period in which the question of Palestine was becoming more and more prominent. And you've seen quite a shift in public opinion since 1948. You know, we're in 2023. What has that been like, seeing that I think it's, Palestinian uh, it's, uh, narrative? Yeah. finally come to the surface? I would say from 1966 to now, there are a lot of changes. Uh, number one, because of the social media now, people start to hear more about the Palestinian uh, story. I think uh, right now, basically, we need, especially the, the Christians, and I'm involved in a uh, Palestinian uh, Christian Alliance for Peace, we want to tell the Catholic, the Protestant, and the Orthodox in the U.S., will you please hear uh, the Palestinian story and heal the Palestinian suffering and narrative? Because basically, uh, in the United States, the Israeli the Jewish story alive because of the synagogue and the Jewish community and the propaganda of Israel. The Palestinian narrative in the U.S. is a dead narrative. So every time uh, I share my story, I say, you know, what happened to me, you never heard before. The displacement by force, what uh, uh, Alan uh, Pappy calls the ethnic cleansing of Palestine, uh, to me is not known in the American uh, places, but now it's changing step by step because we are becoming more uh, vocal, sharing more of our stories and and so forth. So I think uh, uh, I see changes, but it's very slow. And 2009, a group came together in Palestine uh, and issued a document called Kairos Palestine, which was calling the Christian church to to witness the injustice of the occupation. Can you speak a little bit more about uh, what I, I mean to say, yeah, just what 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 Christianity uh, teaches us about uh, situations such as this uh, in the Holy Land. Yeah, we we need uh, need to say that the first time that uh, the whole church came together is with the uh, with the Kairos Palestine document. What I mean, you had uh, leadership of the Orthodox, leadership of the Catholic and leadership of the Protestant. The only place that church became united as one church with one voice saying, we want to speak the theology of liberation of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus for everyone, for Jews, for Christians, for Muslims, 
for humanity. So the, the power of that uh, document is basically uh, the word uh, Kairos is the time. Church learned from the South African church. The South African said, we right now need to declare to the church university what is happening to us is Cairo, South Africa, that this apartheid system need to be dismantled. And step by step, uh, basically, that took place. So the Palestinian church learned from the South African church that we need to make a stand affirming Judaism and Christianity as a religion and uh, Islam as a religion, that we are all the same people in Palestine. We need to love one another, forgive one another, and accept one another. And I think right now, a lot of uh, our audience is not aware that basically between the river and the sea, 50% Israeli Jews, 50% Palestinian uh, Arabs. And I think this is going to be tough for the future more than ever before. The state of Israel is a settler colonial state. What is the difference between a settler colonial state and a colonial? The colonial, you come, you colonize, you suck the resources and leave. The settler colonial, like the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, you come and finish the indigenous and take over the resources. That's what happened here. That's what happened in Canada and so forth. The problem in Israel, that did not work. So basically, in 1948, when between 750 to a million Palestinians became refugees, and 530 villages were destroyed, and their people exiled, and so forth, the only people stayed in Palestine, like my parents, basically 155,000. 155,000 in 75 years. We are right now more than 2 million citizens of the state of Israel. And when Israel occupied the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and Gaza, right now, that population of Gaza, East Jerusalem, and the West Bank, and uh, the Palestinians in Israel, we are right now 7 million Israeli Jews, 7 million Palestinian Arabs. If the U.S. and Israel have common sense, they need to find a way that we can live under one constitution that uh, basically constitution for all the people. If the United States of America created a constitution only for Presbyterian, for Methodists, for Baptists, and so forth, today we will be the worst than ever before. So I will say the future for Israel, Palestine, for us to live in one state with two people under one constitution respecting one another. Yeah, in, in mentioning the, the Kairos-Palestine uh, document, you, you pointed out the, the call for equality for the people living in, in the Holy Land. And you mentioned the religions of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Now, I know from your background that you've been involved in interfaith dialogue. There are some people who say that this is a religious conflict, and there are others who say it's not religious. We shouldn't talk about the religion. What role does interfaith dialogue play in a situation like, like the situation in Israel-Palestine? And that's where I feel uh, interfaith dialogue need uh, to say uh, to Judaism, Christianity, Islam, how can we work together on issues of uh, peace, equality, 
and serving the people. The reason for that is a lot of interfaith events. Uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters will say, if you raise the issue of Palestine and Israel, I'm going to get out of this interfaith. That's to me a very wrong. Inter, a genuine interfaith, the core of Christianity, the core of Islam, we cannot change the core. We respect one another because we are people of faith. But we need to work together on things that help our society and our world for the future. So to, to me, uh, the, the danger at this point is that the, the, the fundamentalists, we as Presbyterians said, that dispensational theology, really Christian Zionism come from, is not biblical and is uh, not reformed. So, what is uh, that? What is dispensational? What does that mean? Dispensational theology. Uh, they say that the universe have seven dispensations. The first one is Adam and Eve, and then the brother Noah, and then Abraham, and then the prophets, then Jesus, the church, and the last dispensation is the creation of the state of Israel that will say that Jesus is coming tomorrow because of the creation of the state of Israel. So the left behind series and a lot of the Christian Zionist theology say that God gave the land of Palestine to the Jews. The old scenario, it's okay to, to use God uh, to ethnically cleanse people. I mean, because human beings use God all through history in Judaism, in Christianity and Islam to eliminate the other. Now we are in the 21st century. There is no way for us to eliminate one another. The issue is how we accept the other and grow together. So in your view, interfaith dialogue is not for deciding who owns this piece of land or who who gets this, who who did God give this piece of land to? It's it's more for answering questions of how can we work together to bring about peace and justice using the tools from our own traditions and our own belief systems and faiths. And not only that, when the Presbyterian Church last year passed that what Israel is doing with the Palestinians in the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza, and also in Israel, Israel is practicing an apartheid system. Now, I said, look, I experienced it from day one. From 1948 to 1966, Yemen, if I wanted to get out of my, I needed to go to the Israeli officer in my village to get a permit. You wanted to leave your village. You had to get if, a uh, Just six miles to Hakka, I needed a permit. And if I'm found without a permit, I go to court and then I go to jail. So basically, the Israeli apartheid system started from day one. So whatever they did from 48 to 67 on us as citizens of the state of Israel, after 1967, they took the clutches out and they start to practice it on the West Bank and Gaza and East Jerusalem. Right now, while I'm talking to you, a Palestinian Christian from Bethlehem cannot come to Jerusalem without a permit. From 1967 to now, 56 years, imagine you are a 56-year-old a, a man and a woman. You don't know anything about freedom and liberty. You, you know, a checkpoint. You need a, 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 a permit to go to your field. You need a permit to go to the hospital. You need the permit to go uh, anywhere. So 
to, to me, right now in the West Bank, uh, is uh, like South African brothers and sisters. It's worse than South Africa. There's a road for Israeli Jews and a road for Palestinian. And uh, the settlers from New York, from Miami, from Atlanta, and so forth, with a gun, they kill Palestinian and take their feet, just like uh, the old, old West, in the name of God. Reverend Dr. Fahed Abu Akhtal, board member uh, on the Palestinian Christian Alliance for Peace, uh, ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church with a long career all the way from Atlanta by way of Palestine. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Shukran jazilan, yatik al-afiyah. Thank you very much. Shukran.